Time for Swordplay. Alex, a priest in Phoenix, recently resigned after baptizing people for decades using the wrong word. Instead of saying, I baptize you, he was saying, we baptize you. All of the baptisms he performed are now invalid. Nick, here's a case where the cultural crusade for preferred pronouns might really get the church out of a tough bind. Hmm. I might be onto something. I mean, we might be onto something. Not you, just me. I mean, we. Yeah. <laughs> you got it? This is Swordplay, offering double-edged perspective on Scripture. We are your hosts. I am Nick Perez, preaching minister for the Davis Park Church of Christ in Modesto, California. I'm Alex Flood, an evangelist for the Lake Phelan Church of Christ in St. Paul, Minnesota. On this episode of Swordplay, we're doing some after hours. After Hours, Episode 5. It's actually been close to a year since our last After Hours episode, so I thought we could sit down, talk about, uh, you know, World War Three, and uh, <laughs> see what else is going on. Seems like there's always crazy things going on, nonstop. But uh, did you just sneeze into the microphone? I thought I muted myself. <laughs> you did not mute yourself no, in time. That's awful. <laughs> hey, it's After Hours. We'll keep that's it right. in there. So, you know, next time I'll, I'll forget the mute. I'll just, I'll just cough. There's, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing theologically at stake right now. You know, no script, just uh, sneezing into the microphone, ad lib. No problem. No problem. My bad. So after hours, this is how it works. Nick and I, we don't have a script. We just have interesting things that we come up with off the top of our heads that we might want to talk about. So we take turns. Nick will throw something out. Then I'll throw something out. And we'll just see where it goes. Hopefully it doesn't go to unemployment, but we've uh, had some good luck in the past. So let's, yeah. let's see what happens. Nick, you want to go first? Do you want to throw out a topic? Oh, uh, to? man. Yeah, flying without a net. Um, let's start here. Um, we'll, we'll venture into the weird stuff. Um, I had a uh, sit-down uh, discussion, Bible study, with a grandson of one of our members. And um, it was a wide-ranging, freewheeling conversation that went all over the place. And I went in knowing that it would would be that. But uh, the way it was pitched to me was, hey, my grandson has a lot of questions about aliens. Mm. Aliens. So... Um, a lot of the conversation was eaten up with that. It also went into, I mean, just strange territory of like Bohemian Grove stuff. Hopefully that doesn't get us kicked off of Spotify, <laughs> just mentioning that. But um, uh, but most of the conversation dealt with um, the subject of aliens. And for me, I mean, I don't mind, uh, you know, dabbling, reading about that stuff, Um uh, it's interesting to me, uh, just from a kind of sci-fi perspective, I guess. My, our family is right now watching um, the tele- the history program, <laughs> The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, which is the ranch in the Uinta Basin over in Utah, where a bunch mm-hmm. of weird stuff happens. So, And, and there are, I, I saw reports, I think it was late last year, that there are... Um, and I forget which organization, which outfit is pulling all these faith religious leaders together and is asking them about well, what what would happen if to, to, to your parishioners, to their faith, if it were to come out that aliens were real. And so that, you know, you want to stay ahead of the curve here a little bit, I guess. So... Um, Anyway, yeah, aliens, Alex. What, what's your take? What's your take on uh, – they're no longer UFOs, right, unidentified flying objects. Now it's UAP, unidentified aerial phenomenon, right? But, um, yeah, what's your take on that, on aliens, uh, life out, off, of, off the planet, outside of our Earth? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I usually have three buckets that I – put aliens or alien you know people's alien experiences or alien stories into and so um actually the first bucket and this is not you know from my own experience this is just from uh, different books and uh, podcasts and videos that people have put out there right 
So the first bucket I put those kinds of experiences are is into uh, actually government and experimentation. So I think there's a lot of people who think they've been abducted by aliens and experimented on, and it was actually the government who did it. And some of that falls under the MK Ultra uh, stage where the government was trying to develop psychic spies during the Cold War to spy on Russia. And so um, during that process, they figured out how to basically fracture somebody's mind so that they can create like different personalities within someone. Um, and this is like all uh, unclassified information now that you can go and look up uh, MK Ultra. In fact, Project MK Ultra is part of the uh, like uh, base for which Stranger Things was based off of. If you've watched Stranger Things on Netflix, um, but yeah, and so they they take you know their their subject their victim and they take them through a driving they say let's go driving right and they put them through a series of psychological uh what i would call torture <laughs> and uh they create these other personalities right to try to uh unlock the you know some sort of uh abilities and so it's it does sound very sci-fi but yeah there was this whole program that the u.s was doing you know off you know off off books it was confidential but now you can read about it. It's it's been declassified, and um, yeah, and so I think there was a study done. I think by some, uh, I can't remember if it was a psychologist group, but it was. Uh, I think it was in the '90s, and they were like, okay, you know, there's a lot of these experiences. What they ended up finding is that people who have had these alien abductions, like they're almost always like very traumatic and violent, and um, and the specific things that they recall happening to them. They actually, the study ended up finding a strong parallel between satanic ritual abuse. Yeah, and that's um, uh, MIT. That yeah. MIT, right? Uh, right. Did okay. that. I'm lo I'm looking at the results right now as you're saying that. Yeah. So, what are these uh, things? And it's just like, okay, well, why why is the, um, you know, why was the government <laughs> tapping into satanic ritual abuse in order to unlock these, you know, uh, different levels of uh, of of ability or whatever, you know, trying to create psychic spies, you know, it's like, well, I guess that's why, but like, I don't know, it just seems, uh, so unreal, right. You know, stranger, stranger than fiction, but yeah, so that's the first bucket is just like people's alien experiences, uh, that are like, like that, where they're very traumatic and, and, uh, bad, you know, bad experiences. I think that is one bucket you can put it into. Uh, the other bucket you can put it into is um, basically, I think uh, a lot of alien experiences are demonic, where you have um, a malevolent demonic being, um, which one is engaging with either intentionally or unintentionally. And so they present themselves as aliens, um, but they're actually not aliens, they're demons, right? And so somebody uh, is tripping on DMT or something like that. And they encounter these aliens on another planet. It's just like, well, those were probably demons presenting themselves as aliens. And so it could be part of a bigger deception. Um, and then the other thing, the other bucket. So there's the government, you know, bucket. There's, uh, and that kind of overlaps with satanic ritual abuse. And then there's the demonic bucket. Um, and then the, the, I guess the third bucket would just be um, delusions. Yeah, just people who have had delusions. But I don't think there's a whole, like people who are very sincere, like they're like, I saw this, I've had this experience. I tend to believe them. And um, and so I wouldn't put, I wouldn't call them delusional. Uh, but I would say there are probably some, some folks who are delusional or just wanting attention or something like that. Um, and those are the three main buckets. And I guess the only possible fourth bucket would be if somebody like had a supernatural experience, but they didn't have anything to filter it through other than, you know, pop culture. And so, uh, let's say it wasn't malevolent. Let's say it was like beneficial, you know, it could have been an experience with some sort of good spiritual being like an angel and they just don't have the filter to, to, or the hook to hang that on. And so they just chalk it up to, to aliens. Right. But, uh, do aliens, you know, are there, life forms on other planets uh no are there intelligent life forms on other planets again no uh <laughs> and uh what if aliens show up out of nowhere and say you know hello earthlings like we are your brothers or we are your creators something like that um my first guess would be not to believe them 
to probably assume that this is some sort of demonic uh, deception that's happening. <clears throat> those are good buckets. I like those buckets. Um, the the one that I kind of poured from the most uh, during uh, my conversation with this uh, young guy was um, the the demonic bucket. Because I think what what better way? I mean, that's the the spiritual forces of darkness are all about deception. So what better way of deceiving people than by especially maybe a uh, technologically savvy people than by presenting yourself as a technologically superior uh, race or, uh, you know, uh, group of, of people, well, group of aliens. Um, it's, it's all part of the deception um, in order to get people to stop focusing on the main thing, which is God, Christ, Holy Spirit, gospel, and to focus on this other thing, uh, which is actually really focused on them. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's where that's my inclination, and we're primed to believe it too because of the uh, pervasiveness of the idea within uh, books and TV and movies and, and all things pop culture. We're just primed for it already, and whether that you know, and maybe that priming is intentional, right? So that's another thing to think about too. Maybe all the priming is intentional so that they can pull off a bigger, you know, deception one day. Who knows? Well, were those, what were, what were the, some of the questions the guy was asking you? Well, so, um, <clears throat> what, what I have found and, and, you know, feel free to, to kind of chime in, uh, <clears throat> based on your experience, Alex, um, what I've found is that um, younger folks, um, and and this guy was he was younger than I am. Probably, if I were to do the uh, the generational thing, he was probably uh, just on the, the tail end of the millennial. Uh, so a, a young millennial. I think we're kind of the older millennials. Um, but um, he he in a microcosm kind of presented what I see a lot in uh, the culture pervasively, which is kind of a grab bag where, yeah, you know, the, the Bible, uh, there might be some good stuff in there, but you got to mix it with everything, right? Very, uh, in, in some ways, I guess, uh, syncretistic as well. Yeah. I've run into it's kind that. of this amalgamation of, mm -hmm. well, you need, you need, you know, the sacred books and the Bible's just one of many, but you also need to include, you know, science. Science is a big deal, uh, for him. And so, um, uh, you kind of end up with this amalgamation. And at one point, he's he's saying, because um, I I uh, really pressed home that what I see is that we are the special creation of God. We are unique um, in all of creation. Only humans bear the image of God, and that creation happened in the not not billions of years ago, but in the in the recent past, relatively speaking. Right. Um, you know. 10,000 or 20,000, I guess, depending upon who you ask and how they're counting, years ago. And so um, so he, he understood that. But he said, what if we uh, suspend um, that and, and pursue a uh, – follow the science, so to speak, and, and uh, evolution, uh, even on a macro level – is is the case and how everything came about um but it was started off by you know these kind of demonic entities as as aliens i guess and and they're the ones who kind of seeded the planet mm -hmm. right uh, so uh that was that was like one of the questions that he had and i uh, what i said was look um first of all i don't think your premise is accurate because you're asking me, on the one hand, to not believe the Bible about it, what it says about our origin story, and then on the other hand, you want me to assume its validity when it comes to these spiritual entities and, and demons and all that. And I said, that's inconsistent. I'm trying to pursue consistency through and through as, as it pertains to my read of Scripture. And so I don't accept your premise in that regard. And then second, no, demons didn't create us. Right, they didn't come down here and seed the planet. Uh, God created us, so that's what I 
would say to that. But but it, it was stuff like that. He asked about DMT also um, and the machine elves um, and just kind of what my take was on, on that. And What are the I machine said, well, elves? You knock on, huh? What are the machine elves? I've heard of DMT, but what, what are the machine elves? So a lot of people, when they take DMT or ayahuasca is the other one, um, in order to kind of uh, produce some kind of effect, a lot of people see what are called machine elves that are, uh, for me, they're, they're kind of like creepy, scary type things. And a lot of people, it's, it's a negative uh, uh, experience for them. But they, they come out and, and they're like, uh, what, like uh, revealers of truth, right? They're, um, they, they show up when you're tripping on these particular hallucinogenics and, and maybe give you revelation about yourself or about the universe or something like that. Machine elves, yeah. Well, a, lot of, lot, a lot of stories. I've, yeah, I've heard of a, a commonality between people who've experienced those things, um, that there is this, like, you know, uh, spirit guide that comes, you know, and, and takes them on a tour or whatever. Yeah, similar, similar. Yeah, but I've never heard it described as machine elves. So they're yeah. just, like, giant elves that look like machines, like robot elves? Uh, I, n- n- I think the idea of machine elves is um, that... Like the universe is this machine, and these elves come out of the machine in order to tell you how the machine is working. I think that's what it's like. I don't think it's so much a description of them physically oh, as much okay. as it's kind of their their role. I think. Oh, okay, okay, I see. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know that was part of the um, uh, Gnostic origin story. Is that uh, you know the what was it? Um, the demiurge is the evil, the evil god who created all of us to be slaves, right? And then it was, um, you know, some higher, uh, some higher being, Sophia. You know, she felt bad for us, and so she put the the spark of divinity into certain humans so that they could escape, you know, from slavery. I think that's. I may be remembering some of the details wrong, but it, it just seems like these alternate. Uh, creation stories you know they've these alternate origin stories they've always been there all we're doing today is we're putting more of a technological spin on it because like now we live in a in a technological world but um it seems like all 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 he's uh presenting there is just a it's just an alternate creation story origin story where you still have like a divine intelligence uh making it happen right and so you either have you either have a, a divine intelligence, right, starting it all off in one way or another, or you have, like, randomness, right? No, just uh, roll, roll the dice. But, yeah, I don't think uh, rolling the dice is really possible to get the first cell going just because there's so much needed for the first cell. Did you know scientists, they can take all the parts in a, in a cell and have them, like, at their disposal separately, and they can't put it together? Like, they can't put one cell together? <laughs> It doesn't surprise me. Did you see there was a meme that was going around <clears throat> on social media not too long ago about, um, you know, given given the, what is it, the uh, uh, rule or principle of uh, infinite possibilities, this outcome should happen. And it was a dryer that was open with all the clothes folded in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've run into the same thing where people – use an a la carte sort of uh mode where they take and pick some things from christianity but they take and pick things from other ideas or religions or westernized ideas of eastern ideas um and they just sort of roll with it right and um there's almost this air of superiority when i've run into it too where they're like you know, they view they view Christians as playing in like the little sandbox box, right? They're just so limited in their four squares and their pile of sand, and and they are they are so advanced, and they've they've gone beyond this, the box, and they are they are now able to see the the truth within the truth, and so they're they're gathering the truths from all the different parts of the world, and and they are so special, and they are they are the chosen ones, they are the ones able to to pull off this new understanding which is a rediscovery of ancient you know truth it's just such a i don't know narcissistic uh 
ancient you know aliens tv like baloney it's just like yeah. <laughs> it's like <clears throat> and a lot of very very dogmatic is is also part of it like i remember at one point um he was like we know this for a fact and i was like really do we though and it, it had to do with like how we're we're all like one we're all one and it's like well yeah. i don't know and he's just like oh it's a fact it's a proven fact and it's like hmm interesting what does that mean though yeah exactly <laughs> now that's yeah. the other problem is getting people to define terms and so like this oneness idea you know you have the meaning of that within the eastern uh, mysteries or or hinduism or or buddhism right it's like becoming one with what you know what does that mean but then you have like the westernizing of it where it just sort of uh becomes this new mythology um based off of these uh you know hi- hijacked vocabulary from from other parts of the world it's 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 like uh it's like the westernizing of of yoga or something like that it's just like oh yes it's so good it's so spiritual you know it's just stretching you know it's just like well i mean it wasn't originally anyway <laughs> so what what are we doing it's like we're just creating this potluck of ideas because essentially i think what happens is once you leave the the bible and christian tradition for some sort some so for something else once that's not the the standard of the boundaries from which you filter reality then you don't understand like you're not just leaving what you think is this ancient book like you're leaving a world view which the western world was shaped out of for the last 2000 years and so uh i think that's part of what jordan peterson you know mentioned uh we did the cold open a few episodes ago where he says the bible is the precondition for understanding truth it's like that's i think that's part of what he means is like when you have the bible shaping language and culture for 2000 years um you don't you can't sidestep that, right? And when you do, you end up in this very chaotic, vague space where, like, you have no actual grounding or filter for your worldview. And so you have this a la carte mode going on where you're taking a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you're saying, I'm just spiritual, right? Well, you know, what what is your guide? What is your guiding filter for that? And it basically just becomes uh, your own emotions for the day or for the week or your own intuition or whatever sounds most uh you know good to good to you at that time but it's never consistent with itself as a system and so like you'll never be able to come up with a a systematic uh (laughs) a systematic theology of whatever this syncretistic spiritual worldview is that's arriving by this process of just taking a little bit of everything eastern and western and getting lots of it from movies and shows and books and so it's very interesting i don't know what do you think of jordan peterson smart cat real smart cat um and i think he's moving in the right direction and i mean i i was introduced to jordan peterson uh years ago um i think one of my my brothers in law one of them introduced him to me and um i remember this so there are excuse me there are um a series of, of lectures that he's done on the Bible on YouTube. And, uh, I mean, he, he approaches it from his, he's a, what, psychologist? And so he approaches the Bible from that perspective. Um, so, I mean, I don't agree with, with everything he says, but it's it's a very, very uh, interesting uh, approach that he takes to Scripture. And so... Um, I, I know in recent years he's kind of had um, his own <clears throat> his own demons to battle um, with uh, with addiction, I believe, and so I'm I'm grateful to see that he's he's gotten those things squared away, and again uh, that that he seems to be moving in the right direction, and I you know it's my prayer that um, the Lord will continue to uh, enlighten him uh, unto faith. And so, uh, that, that would be, that'd be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Just like it would for anybody, right? For anybody who, who comes to faith, that's a, that's a good and glorious thing. 
I don't, you know, so, I, so I say that not to say, gee, man, it'd be real great if we could get Jordan Peterson on our side. No, it, I mean, it, it'd be it'd be another uh, uh, another miracle that God has worked in the heart of a rebel sinner, just like he do, he did with you and me and and every believer. So, uh, in that regard, it would it would uh, yeah, it would be no different. But uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be again a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think he uh, attracts a lot of people, a lot of listeners, because he's so articulate at the way he's able to just sort of bring out um, uh, the ridiculousness in certain things. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's how he got famous, right? He was he was refusing to um, acknowledge or participate in the changing of language for personal pronouns in his uh, college courses that he was teaching in, in Canada, right? And so that's what kind of blew up. And there was like a local news team, I think, that showed up expecting him to, you know, to get fried. And he basically, you know, exploded with all of this articulate knowledge that like just sounded like so reasonable. (laughs) Then it was like, oh, then that like, you know, added that that fan the flame. And so it was like, well, we're not going to let him get away with that. And so they tried to rake him through the coals and the media. And uh, but he was he wasn't they weren't able to just stump him or uh speak over him in such a way that uh fits their agenda and so he yeah he 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 knew what they were doing and he was steps ahead of them and so he was like i'm not going to dance that dance you know right and you can't make me do that right yeah yeah and and he did present yeah such a confidence and conviction that i think it it drew people to to want to hear more and to want to to have that, to have that confidence, to have that conviction. So yeah, yeah, he's a he's a smart guy. His view, his his hermeneutic, you know, is uh, one I would not subscribe to, and it's actually related to some of this uh, spiritualizing of psychologizing, psych- mixing of spiritual and psychology like things into this syncretistic belief system. And so uh, he's mentioned Jordan Peterson has mentioned several times, you know, the works of Carl Jung. And so um, Carl Jung, uh, you know, basically, along with what sounds like what Peterson views the Bible, has this view of the Bible where basically you don't take it um, necessarily for what it is as any kind of historical reality, but you you take it as like a psycholo- psychological uh, tool. for. So like, I don't know, I've heard people say like, well, there is no... Uh, you know, there is no Hades or hell or anything like that. That's like something inside of you and you have to go like into your own depths of the earth, which is like, you know, another way of them talking about like introspective, um, you know, discovery and evaluation. It's just like, I don't think you can psychologize everything in the Bible. I think that there are some times where that might jive with some of the spiritual principles, but, um, you can't take that and then like sidestep the historical reality of of what was and is and is to come. <laughs> and so, if you sidestep the historical the historical reality, um, then uh, you you end up with something that's not actually Christianity. Um, but you know, if that is a step in the right direction, which I hope it is, you know, I. I think you're right. I think he's taking a step in the right direction. I hope that's what it ends up being as a step in the right direction and not uh, this uh, tool that can be leveraged instead for the syncretistic thing that you were running into with your, your member's grandson and the things that I've run into before where people are now taking uh, the the intelligent, articulate um, framework of Carl Jung and Jordan Peterson, and they're using that to take out of the Bible the things that they want to take out of it and leave the rest of it behind so that they can syncretize it with the rest of their system. And so I hope that's not what's coming. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he was on Joe Rogan the other day, you know, and so Joe Rogan, um, he's been making headlines. What do you think of Joe Rogan? <laughs> um, he, by his own admission, he'll, he'll admit he's, he's an idiot. I mean, he, he's, he's, not, <laughs> he's not a smart guy, right? And and it boggles his mind that people listen to him. However, so that's somewhat self-deprecating. I understand that. Um, on the other hand, he is very good at just having a conversation. 
and and asking questions, asking good questions of very entertaining and intriguing guests. And unfortunately, that is a quality which is absent in much of journalism today. Uh, A lot of news reporting is not that. It's, well, what we see with the Jordan Peterson uh, incident that you can find on YouTube where he's being interviewed by a, a, a female journalist who is just trying to pin him down and is literally twisting his words right in front of him and which is what causes him to go, no, that's not what I'm saying, and it's not fair to you, for you to do that. You are twisting my words and all that. So um, it's a Joe Rogan's got a, a long form uh, podcast. Um, so a uh, lot of discussion. He he just he'll drop the needle, let the record spin when it comes to his guests. Yeah, and um, you know he's not a bad fight commentator either. <laughs> um, he he is a mixed martial artist, and he. Uh, takes uh, that knowledge with him to call fights uh, in the UFC. Although he he was not at the recent UFC event, as as I understand it. And uh, I just caught headlines that said that Dana White, who is the guy who runs the UFC, said Joe could have been here, but he didn't want to be. So um, I I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, I know Joe's had issues with Spotify. They've taken uh, a hundred, I think, of his episodes off of that platform. Oh, really? And, yeah. Did they take yeah. off the the uh, Dr. Peter McCullough one? I believe Dr. Robert Malone one. I believe those were the primary targets, but oh, then my. they they went deeper with the cuts. Ooh. And well, and and I think also, um, if I remember the story correctly, it's not like he. Like, like it's not like Joe didn't want to. He was willing to say, "Yeah, you can take these episodes off," and he may have been instrumental in saying in identifying which episodes to take off as well. But um, yeah, those were the those were the two primary ones that kind of got the ball rolling. And then after that, it was you know his uh, use of the N word in the past. That uh, since they couldn't officially cancel him on Spotify by identifying him uh, with the uh, uh, COVID-19 quote misinformation or disinformation campaign then well look at all this stuff that you said in the past and he's addressed that in a in a video on Instagram I believe but um, yeah so that was that was the last I heard about Joe Rogan he's still uh, making podcasts still producing episodes hmm. um, so interesting yeah yeah I um I didn't know those episodes had had been removed. That must have been pretty recent. Whenever, yeah, whenever all the fallout started happening because he had uh, Dr. McCullough and uh, Dr. Uh, what's the other? You just said his name. Uh, Malone? Yeah. Um, those two episodes in particular, and those, those dropped in like December. Um, December. Uh, December and January, right? Yeah, so it was it was shortly after that that all this kerfuffle kicked up. Well, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Spotify, and the episode is still there for Dr. Robert Malone. Still shows up. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah, and Peter McCullough, it's still there too. So I don't know. Maybe they put him back up. Do you know Spotify is not a uh, U.S. company? No. Who owns it? it- I think it's somewhere over in Switzerland. Hmm. Maybe it's it's over in Europe. Interesting. And and that threw me for a loop when I heard that because it's like, oh, uh, that's it's not an American-owned company. Maybe they took them down and then after some time put them back up. I don't know, but maybe so. I mean, they did you know give Joe Rogan a hundred million dollar contract, right? And so Got they paid. know that. So they know that Spotify. Where's that money for the Swordplay podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're bringing in the kind of revenue that Joe Rogan is for the uh, for the advertisers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they so they know that they're going to make because his audience is so large that they're going to make money, right? So they're going to pay him a hundred million, but they're going to make more than a hundred million, right? They're going to make a lot more. And so, yeah, I'd be surprised if they really did go after. Uh, 
his episodes or or tried to tried to censor him more i think you know he he does his own i think he does a good job on his own of of presenting multiple sides of the argument right so he he had peter mccullough on he had robert malone on but then he had some other guy on that was you know the complete opposite right and so he but you know he he still respectfully you know asked good questions gave some good pushback i don't think joe rogan is dumb at all i, I don't think he's an idiot i think he's very smart i don't think again he gives that's that's his description it's not my description it's i know description. i know yeah. but i i think he sells himself short and that's probably strategic as well. I mean, you don't give a hundred million dollars to dumb people, right? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's he's he he's smart. Uh, he reads book. He reads lots of books. Like he, like people will come on like his show six weeks from now, and he's like reading their book right now. And so that's how he prepares for his podcast. Like he'll read that person's book, and sometimes it's like very technical, very heavy, but he's he still goes through it, and so he. I think he's pretty smart. I think he puts a lot of work into it, but I think him selling himself as like the common man, the the local, you know, the village idiot, I think it helps maybe to make people feel more engaged and connected. It's like, well, if Joe Rogan can have a con- conversation with this guy, then then I could too, right? And so right. it's part of that. Uh, it's part of the draw, I think. But yeah, yeah, he, uh, you know, speaking of controversial things and, COVID-19 and doctors and some doctors you can listen to, some you can't, apparently. Uh, there's a doctor I know of who, uh, and I and, and so it's not somebody I heard of, right? I actually know this person. And they wanted to prescribe for their patient monoclonal antibodies. And so, uh, you know, it, it seemed like a good fit. And the hospital administration canceled it and said, no, you can't do that. And, and so this doctor was like, what? It's like, I'm the doctor. Like, you're just a, an administrator. Like, who are you to, to tell me what I can do with my patients? And they're like, nope, denied, no monoclonal antibodies. Like, isn't that weird? What do you think, Nick? You think hospital administration should be overriding doctors, uh, you know, choices to to prescribe certain medications or procedures? I mean, if the doctor's a quack, then sure. But that doesn't sound, I I don't think that's where this doctor's coming from, right? I mean, and. Wouldn't they fire the quack, though? (laughs) Right? Well, it depends. Have you listened to uh, the podcast Dr. Death? No. That's uh, that's some creepy true crime at a at a uh, you know MD level mm-hmm. where this guy is literally crippling people and killing people uh, all under the guise of a medical doctor. Terrifying. Anyway, sure, but that would have to be like investigated, right? It's just like there's secrecy going on, there's deception going on. It was like, there's no secrecy or deception in this case. It's just like, no, this is a thing that's available. It's out there. It's not, you know, it's not banned uh, or, or anything like that. And so, which uh, gets me back to, it doesn't sound like that's the case <laughs> yeah. with this guy. Yeah. So, or a girl it could be a girl doctor. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. This doctor. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> especially. <laughs> Wasn't there a line in the State of the Union where uh, fearless leader Joe Biden wants to make sure that people have access to um, monoclonal antibody treatment? Yeah. So that is really strange. But you know, I mean, it's just it's just another another um, link in this twisted up chain, which is COVID nineteen. I mean, here in California. Well, the whole West Coast, uh, they, uh, the governors of California, Oregon, Washington issued a joint press statement uh, that said the mask mandates are being dropped state, statewide, coastwide. And that, that was effective March 1st. But, like, it's, it's slow in the way it's getting uh, out there because you have – Schools who are still, which are still requiring kids to wear masks for in-class instruction, although that's supposed to go away after March 11th. So you know, it's 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 just more of the the confusion that uh, surrounds COVID 19, 
And uh, we, I mean, last night, or not last night, but the, the other night when they had the State of the Union, nobody except for three, looks like staffers, nobody was wearing a mask uh, in that chamber. And those, a lot of those people are part of that age bracket, which are the most susceptible to COVID-19. And, but, you know, they're all, they're all vaxxed, I'm sure. And so they're, they're safe, they're protected. Hmm. Isn't it interesting over the past two years that we have uh, just like these things, like one thing after the other, right? And so 2020, you know, you have COVID and then like, you know, that explodes for a few months and then you have riots and COVID goes away, right? Because it's all about riots. And so nobody's uh, spreading COVID-19 while they're rioting together and burning down buildings. How could you? How could you? And then the riots go away and then there's COVID again. And so COVID comes back and, and then, uh, and then the election hits, right? And so it's like COVID's gone now. And so now it's election time. It's time to go vote and it's time to, it's impossible you to know, spread get out there. Election. And then the election's over, uh, and, and you have the January 6th, you know, debacle and then, and then COVID's back, right? And then COVID's back. And then it seemed like we were getting a little bit of a break, but psych, no break, actually, mandate time. And so it's mandates, right? It's all about the mandates and the uh, people going to keep their jobs or not. Yesterday's heroes or today's unemployed, right? And so you have mandates, mandates, and then Supreme Court rules on the mandates. And it's just like, okay, so that kind of dies down a little bit. And then COVID comes back, boom. And now we're Omicron and Omicron sub A, Omicron sub B and variant, you know, one, two, three. And so now it's, uh, you know, COVID time again. And then, um, and then, oh, wouldn't you know it, that stinking Omicron, it ended up acting like a vaccine for the whole world. It was super mild, super contagious, and it gave everybody uh, B-cell and T-cell immunization. It's like, ah, dang, Omicron could have made some more money if they'd just stayed out of the way. <laughs> Too bad we didn't vaccinate everybody fast enough. This is uh, Bill Gates quoting, by the way. You can look that up. And... Uh, so, okay, so now that's, you know, dying down a little bit. COVID's dying down. And then war. Now we're going to war. <laughs> World War Three. We know Russia viruses don't spread during war. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's right. It's a proven historical fact that no virus ever spreads during war. <laughs> oh, wait. There's that war 100 years ago where, yeah, you had that Spanish flu business during yeah. World War One. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, so we're on the, you know, depending on who you're talking to, right? Some some news sources and new, newspapers got to make money, right? So you got to make the biggest shocking headline so people will like click on your click on your video, or your link, your website or buy your paper. And so on the brink of World War Three, Nick, what do you think? Are we in the brink of World War Three? I am no prophet nor the son of a prophet. So take take it with a grain of salt. Um so we're a week into this thing, right? I mean, we'd we'd be remiss if we went a whole after hours without talking about Ukraine, Russia, right? We're a week into this thing, and there is no end in sight for this. Uh, Russia continues to pour troops into the Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine had they, I believe, they got the okay. They they're part of the European Union now, or at least they were petitioning for an emergency uh, admission into the European Union uh, earlier this week. So that, I mean, assuming that goes through, now you have the whole European Union that's supposed to be standing against uh, Russia because you, you, if your friend gets hit in the face, then you got to go protect your friend and fight with your friend uh, against the big bully, I guess. So maybe <laughs> good solid, maybe from me, uh, the, the, the question that I get uh, a lot is, uh, number one, are we going to war? Meaning America, the U S are we going to war? My, my standard answer so far has been no, we're not. I don't think Despite, you know, the rhetoric that was uh, blustered during the State of the Union address, I do not believe that Joe Biden is a hawk. I don't believe his base is a hawk or hawkish. And so um, I, I, don't see, I don't see us sending troops over there. We do have uh, advanced uh, forward bases over there, if I'm not mistaken, over in Europe, North Africa and stuff like that. So... Um, 
but I, I don't personally see the U.S. getting involved. Doesn't mean we won't. Um, so that's, uh, that's one question. The other question I get, and I was actually asked this uh, by my oldest, was about the draft. Are we going to reinstate the draft? My standard answer to that is no. All right, we're, we have, uh, historically, we have had the greatest military on planet Earth. There's question about that now because, you know, of what they're doing to the military with uh, gutting it by getting rid of those who are saying no to the vaccine and uh, enforcing uh, policy where the soldiers have to be instructed in transgender policy and stuff like that. So, but it's been a voluntary army. Uh, you volunteer for service. Now, granted, we did have a draft back in the day. But even then, and I, you know, I walked my son through this, and fortunately, he had a, a hook to hang it on was with Captain America. Steve Rogers was 4F because he, he was not physically capable of going to war. So even then, there's an ordered process to this. We're not going to stop the car and pull out every able-bodied guy and say, here's a gun, go overseas. Even then, with the draft, there's still a process. Like, I, I've had asthma my whole life, and I'm colorblind, right? So I'm not going to be able to run very far, and you don't want to put me in front of a red button and a green button that I might confuse. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to serve the country in whatever capacity I can. Chaplain! All right? So, you know, send me to officer training school or plug me in as a chaplain or whatever you want to do, I can do that. And, and I, th I think historically that's kind of how it's worked out. So, but, again, in the immediate future, draft, uh, I don't think so. Um, so that, that's my immediate take. I don't think it's a hot take, by the way. I know a lot of people are hot taking this thing like, yeah, war and whatever. Um, I've, I've thought a little bit about this. <laughs> just in, in the, the lead-up to this. But um, the other thing that comes to mind is, uh, that we should keep in mind, is Joe Biden is Obama 2.0. Who was vice president when Obama was president? Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, old Joe, he was the guy that would be the, the liaison for overseas stuff for Obama. Joe Biden, when he came into office, surrounded himself with all the same people that Obama surrounded himself with uh, when he was president. So he is surrounded by the same uh, foreign policy makers, the same uh, 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 folks that, that were talking to Obama then are talking to Joe Biden now. And we, we've had a setup for this. Russia did this during when Obama was president with Crimea. And when Russia... Uh, attacked Crimea, what was what was the response by Obama and the American government? Sanctions. Well, what has Joe Biden promised? Sanctions. So that, I think, is going to be our response, which is very fascinating because um, part of our sanctions does not include the amount of oil that we get and that we purchase from Russia. We uh, buy oil at the tune of Oh, man, I forget now how, how many billions of dollars we send to Russia every day for for oil. And then, uh, you know, Joe Biden gets on the air in the State of the Union and says, hey, um, yeah, we I've I've opened the reserves and I pulled out, uh, what was it, 680 million barrels of oil for us. And we're supposed to sit there and go, yay. The problem with that is that gets us through like three days. <laughs> So what do we do on day four, Joe? Right? I mean, there's just so much, um, so much inconsistency, so much double talk um, that, I mean, it it and it it's probably designed to make your head spin. That's it's probably intentional. But anyway, to to answer the question directly, Ukraine, Russia, I I think it's going to stay over there. We'll see what the European Union does, and I don't I don't foresee us getting involved in a military uh, military way. Uh, but again, no profit nor son of a profit. So I've been wrong once before. <laughs> and then I found out I was right on that. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's my take on the Russia-Ukraine thing. Um, what, what do you think? Yeah, no, I don't... What, what's your hot take? <laughs> yeah, I think um, 
I think this is a good two to three month distraction before, you know, we go back to COVID again. So, mm. <laughs> so. and uh, Bill Gates promised there would be another, another pandemic. So, I mean, when that guy uh, talks about pandemics, I, I tend to listen. <laughs> Not because yes. he's a doctor, because uh, he has a history of preparing for pandemics and then they happen. <laughs> so. Yeah. And uh, make of that what you will, right? I don't think he's a prophet either. Uh, <laughs> so I think he and his buddies know exactly what they're doing. So I think, you know, it's, it's, look at the pattern. COVID, riots. COVID, election. COVID, mandates. COVID, war. What's next? Well, COVID again. So, hmm. Or some other pandemic. It's like, it's just, it's part of the pattern. It's like, it's like, Think about sickness and death. Take a break. Think about this other freaking freaky thing, you know, right? right? Think about the sickness and death. It's like, okay, take a break. Think about this other, you know, pressing thing that could put you out of a job. <laughs> it's like it's like, no. Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern, folks. COVID rights, COVID election, COVID break, mandates, COVID war. It's like it'll it'll run its course two or three months and then we won't be talking about it anymore. We'll talk about something something else, some new sickness. And so that's my guess. That's my uh, my two cents. Well, yeah, and the, so the scuttlebutt is that you have other dictators in other countries who are kind of watching how this plays out. You got uh, Xi Jinping over in China who uh, definitely has the uh, military capability of doing what he wants. So, you know, Taiwan is uh, seems to be in the, the crosshairs, some think. Uh, you have Kim Jong-un in uh, North Korea. I question his military readiness to do what he wants, but he is definitely a dictator who may have his eyes on what's going on with Russia-Ukraine and the world's response to that, in which case, you know, I mean, South Korea is South Korea, right? And it's separated by the DMZ and so there, there's some that speculate. Well, maybe maybe he wants to expand his empire. But yeah, geopolitical intrigue and all that jazz. Or maybe maybe yeah, you're right. And after this kind of dies down, um, you get COVID for a little bit, and then China decides to do their thing and distract for a little bit. I don't know. Could be. What fascinates me. What's interesting to me is. You have all this media coverage, news coverage on Russia invades Ukraine, right? Well, there was a, a graphic that was circulating around the internet uh, last week. Maybe it was earlier this week. That, that showed all of the various ongoing conflicts around the world. And a bunch of countries in Africa... Uh, are and I want to say it's the 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 majority of the countries in Africa are engaged in ongoing conflict. Where's where's the media coverage for that? And it's been like that for decades. Yeah, yeah. No, no one's talking about that, right? Uh, remember when Boko Haram was a big deal? Um, man, what was that like a decade ago? Maybe less. Now, when's the last time you heard about Boko Haram, uh, the the militant Islamic group that uh, kidnapped those girls? Bring back our girls. Wasn't there a hashtag that was started? What happened to all those all those girls that were kidnapped by Boko Haram? By the way, well, they were trafficked and sold, and uh, we we still don't know where a bunch of them went. I'm sure many of them were were killed. This is, but I mean, you know, I I think you're right uh, in some sense that this this is a distraction for a little bit, but then once the next thing comes along. It'll just be able. Who's talking about Crimea these days, right? Right. Well, maybe some because of what's happening now, and this is an echo. It's it's not so much that history repeats itself; it, it echoes. And man, this is recent history. So, yeah, and I think, there's that, and because of the non and unlike Crimea, though, you know, we're getting all this news, which I mean, who has not figured out over the past two years that the news is making money off of your fear the networks are making billions of dollars off of scaring you 
Like, if they were responsible, they wouldn't use the skull and crossbones at the bottom banner of the TV every <laughs> time they talk about the pandemic, right? It's like, just wanted to give you give you the facts, keep you updated. Don't want to get you panicked or not. But skull and pro- crossbones and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And they set up news media's were caught red-handed setting up stages like that would make it look more fearful. Like there was a hospital room that was staged with dummies, not real people, so that they could have a little clip that said hospitals are overwhelmed, and there were. Tents staged with paid volunteers to stand in line like they're getting ready to be screened uh, and tested for COVID-19 or get vaccinated. And those lines weren't real. It was staged. And there were videos, there were some videos that were, and this happens all the time in media. They take like video clips that are like royalty-free video clips, or sometimes they'll steal it from a movie actually, (laughs) and they'll use it as part of their story. It's just like, but it's not, that's not real. It's not a real video. It's fake. It's staged. It's not always the case, but if it fits the bill in order to get paid, then they'll use it. So yeah, what we feel about the conflict right now is amplified by the way in which it's covered. And the successive nonstop series of stressful, like societal stressful events, COVID riots, COVID election, COVID mandates, COVID war. And so there is that to be at least considered. It's just like perhaps we feel more on edge and like we're going to go to war, which, you know, I, who knows what will happen. Maybe that will happen, but we're certainly being made to feel a certain way, right? And those feelings are opportunities for people to make lots of money. And uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I suggest just tune out. <laughs> turn, off, turn off the news, turn off the TV. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that's so so practical steps. It's not um, it's not easy to do those. That's all that's all everybody talks about. It's like right, how can you tune out before you could tune out easily? It's just like when you have the same things happening lockstep, simultaneous across the world. It's just like uh, it's kind of hard to tune out now. <laughs> yeah, and what I've told uh, members uh, here is uh, well, there's a couple things you can do. One. Um, Read your Bible and pray every day. All right, that that hadn't changed, right? We're we're and, and pray pray for the people of Ukraine, pray for the people of Russia, pray that uh, Putin uh, either has a change of heart or that the Lord will break his arm. And that's the, by the way, that's the Psalm of Imprecation prayer, right? Break his power. Um. Uh, so you know, read your Bible, pray every day. That that nothing's changed in that regard. And the second thing I tell folks is um, if you do want to help out in a, in a monetary way, you want to send some relief, some aid, identify a uh, reliable organization, a reputable outfit that is uh, that you can send your contribution to that will make a difference over there. And, and there, are, there are several of those. That uh, you can uh, you can get involved with in that regard. If you, if you really do want to help in the humanitarian crisis, which is war, uh, then uh, that's those are practical steps you can take. In addition to yeah, turn it off, turn off the uh, the anxiety-inducing uh, media. Yeah, I mean, I would maybe wait before you start donating your money anywhere, <laughs> and maybe wait and and see what happens just my advice but uh i don't know what what uh, what are we looking forward to here nick um i'm sure there's a giant meteor you know heading hurtling <laughs> towards the earth right now maybe that'll you know, like we'll do war and then we'll do covid and then we could do like meteor right meteor strike and then we can like uh activate space force destroy the meteor and then go back to covid right and yeah, we'll, we'll lose bruce willis in the process that's right 
Oh no, we got new Space Force with Michael Scott. Right, Michael Scott doesn't work in the oh, office right. anymore. He's Michael. <laughs> he's head of the Space Force. And so we'll, uh, yeah, and we'll take care of the meteor, and then we'll go back to COVID, and then we'll have uh, you know a solar flare or something. You know, maybe maybe have some few blackouts. It's like oh, it's the solar flare, it knocked us out. It's just like, and then we'll get back online, and then we'll and then we'll do COVID, and then we'll let's see let's see how many things there's there's so many things so many fun things to pick from nick so yeah, many so fun many things. so many world enders the playbook is endless and all you got to do is just keep alternating covid then the next you know favorite you know fear that you want to capitalize on then covid then the next favorite fear you want to capitalize on so uh you know but don't worry you know it's not like anybody's pulling the strings here it's like this is totally random it's totally random Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain that's right. That's right. Well, Nick, let's end on a, a hopeful note. You, I believe, are pursuing or have decided more concretely how to pursue your PhD. How's that going? I mean, it, I'm just thinking about it. Um, I'm I'm still still taking the break. Uh, finished my MDiv uh, last August, um, and I've kind of you know looked around, kicked the tires on uh, a couple of uh, doctoral programs. And so um, that's, that's kind of where it's at now. Still, still just uh, gathering information. Um, but one that, one that did catch my eye here recently was from my, my new alma mater, Liberty University. Uh, that's where I got my MDiv from, Master Divinity. And they have they offer a PhD in Bible exposition, and I've looked at the uh, coursework, looked at what I have already uh, done, and what is interesting is, and I, I called down there because I was like, well, wait a minute, I've taken this Hebrew course that they want me to take for the doctoral program, so I called down there and I said, hey. Will this count toward the PhD? It's a sixty-unit program, and they said, "Yeah, yeah, you've you've already taken it." So um, instead of sixty, now you only have fifty-seven units to, to take. Uh, it is a dissertation uh, uh, program, so I'll, I'll have to basically write a book. But I love writing, so um, I think it's just a, a function of actually doing it. But yeah, it looks like it looks like a a program that would be right up my alley. Uh, PhD in Bible exposition, and um, yeah, so I'm I'm currently boning up on my Hebrew. I'm going back over uh, Hebrew. I found some um, uh, videos online of a Hebrew course that's offered by the Master Seminary, and I've got the the textbook and the workbook, and so. Reteaching myself Hebrew with Dr. Bill Barrick's expertise, guiding the way, uh, in order to, to kind of get ready for that when I do it at some point in the future. Don't know when. Don't don't really have a target date. But um, anyway, that's that's what it what what may be in my future is uh, doctoral work. All right. Which so- you know I'm I'm good at school. So <laughs> <laughs> so what year will we see Dr. Nick Perez? I mean, if if I started tomorrow, it would take three to four years to complete all the work, minimum, minimum. Uh, they give you seven years to complete it. Uh, but um, I mean, I mean, I guess if I really put my nose to the grindstone, uh, really focused my energy on it, uh, before I'm forty, I could be Doctor Nick Perez. All right. But you know, that that's a steep mountain and I'm I'm comfortable right now just sitting with the old MDiv for a little bit longer. Uh but uh, but yeah, I've done some preliminary research on where to go and which which degree I want to pursue, so. All right. That's that's where it sits now. What about you? You you got your uh eye on the old doctoral program at our alma mater SIBI? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> You're good with the masters, huh? Yep. I'm yep. good. But I commend you, sir. Commend you in your future endeavors and studies. And I commend our podcast, Swordplay. How can the audience help our podcast, Nick? 
Well, uh, for one, if they have a question, uh, they can text that question in to the Swordplay text line, 316-24-SWORD, 316-247-9673. You send a question, we'll answer it on the podcast. And we've done a Q&A podcast before. A lot of good questions came in when we did that. And so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll answer questions in that way. You can find us on most major podcasting platforms, Spotify, uh, Audible, uh, what's the other one, Google, Google Music. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're in all these different platforms, Apple Podcast. Feel free, leave a review. The appropriate number of stars is five for your review, by the way. But that helps boost us in the ranking system, gets the podcast out there. You can share it on social media as well if you are so inclined. Uh, folks can also email us, right, Alex? Yeah, email us at swordplaypodcast at gmail.com, swordplaypodcast at gmail.com. You can send your questions there as well or just comments, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, I went through some of our other platforms to see how we could uh, instruct you to leave reviews and some of these you can't leave reviews and so like I went through Spotify and I couldn't figure out for the life of me how to leave a review in Spotify mm. for a podcast so some of these platforms you might not have the option to leave a review so the best place to to listen and to leave a review is Apple Podcasts um, and if you don't have Apple products you could borrow an Apple product from your friend <laughs> and then go leave a review on Apple Podcast on your friend's device, and then preferably they know you're borrowing yeah. their device. By the way, <laughs> and then that way you could get your review in using somebody else's um, device. Yeah, and then you can go back to your Android. And so there you go. But yeah, that's uh, always helpful. But yes. Swordplaypodcast at gmail.com. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Otherwise, I don't know how you'll leave a review. And we do appreciate you tuning in for another episode of Swordplay After Hours number five. Talk about all kinds of interesting things. So hopefully we were uh, entertaining for you at least for a minute. A uh, nice distraction for an hour and seven minutes. So we'll see you next time uh, on another episode of Swordplay, your double-edged perspective on scripture.